Greetings to all your saints. I did not plan to start service this way, but I will start with the place of scripture. Revolution chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen. You know that we have a little bit of a different topic today, but coming out here, I will said in this place of scripture clearly resonated within me and I decided to, to, to speak it. There was in our uh, communication uh, a question that arises that, oh, clouds are then those saints that will come with Christ, that He is not going to leave them. He said, I am with you and you are with me always. And how is He then going to leave them and come with us? No, we've understood that um, He was coming in that cell group. Um, the saints were saying, oh, we don't know them very well. We need to uh, we need to learn about them. Okay, Abraham, I thought something totally different. Or how, how are we going to be able to know all them, this pleiad, this multitude? This is the church of the firstborn. You know, these saints had lived according to this word. We will know them when we are immersed in this word because they also were immersed into it and they were transformed into it. And therefore, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. They imitated God. They lived according to this word. They sought the city whose builder and maker was God. They imitated God. They saw God, as the prophets say, as David had said, I always saw the Lord before me, for He is on the right side of me, and therefore I shall not fall. And this revelation taken from Holy Scripture, it is deep, and this revelation is uh, laid out in multitudes of places of Scripture, but we always talk about a certain part where this is taken from. This is taken from uh, by our pastor out of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth. And therefore, if we dwell in this word, then somehow we are going to know each of these clouds. We are going to know them, be able to, to, to know them. And in this place of scripture, there are three verbs that we see clearly. This is to set aside, to renew, and to be clothed. We turn our attention to the verb clothed, but we already firmly know that without the verb to set aside the former way of life of our old man and then to renew our thinking through the spirit of our mind and then to be clothed into the new man, only then are we going to again be able to be clothed into the new man, not on the contrary, it is in the sequence. And having 
looking at clothing ourselves into the new man, we looked at this process in seven components, each of which finds its definition, its expression in Scripture. A person who is clothed in a linen, clean and bright is a first person who is clothed in the garments of salvation. He is clothed in the robes of righteousness. He is crowned with the crown of the bridegroom, adorned with the ornaments of a bride, clothed in marital garments, clothed in linen pure and bright, and seventh, having accepted the representative power of Yahweh of hosts. The dignity of the new man expressed in the garments of the bride and the wife of the lamb is the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet. And you know, uh, garments speak of a lot of things. We at work, at work, and I'm always in paint. I'm always covered in paint. And one person who was unfamiliar to me, he drives by me and he goes to my worker and he was clean and he was careful clean. He doesn't like to go into the most dirtiest places at work, but I'm everywhere, as it turns out. And he comes to says, are you Dimitri? He says, no, Dimitri, you have actually just passed. And I'm in such clothes that people don't don't know me. Dimitri, he is a businessman over by phone, but when they see me and what I am wearing, and I'm all in holes and, and paint and covered in paint and so forth, they don't recognize me. And here we're talking about the garments of the wife of the bride of the lamb. She, the wife and the bride of the lamb, she carries certain dignities and virtues. And of course, if I were to clothe, uh, to be clothed in more serious clothes, for example, as I am right now, then I would have probably been, been known. But we are called to be also clothed, right? We are called to be clothed so that, that we can be clothed in this dignity. And of course, uh, in these garments, I feel myself, I feel comfortable. It's, uh, in, other, in, in any uh, gathering, uh, you can show up, and I feel I feel comfortable. But if I'm in a work clothes, sometimes I run to a store and I say, "Okay, well, hopefully I won't see any saints here today." But I'm in these kind of clothes. I have holes. I have paint. Some covered in paint. And uh, Marina uh, was driving, and she asked me to stop by the store. I said, "But I'm so dirty." And she said, "Please stop by the store." And all of a sudden, I saw one of the saints, and this, "Oh, Dimitri, hello." And you know, we're talking again about garments. Garments must be coinciding. In order for God to clothe a person in the garments of righteousness, he is called to fulfill the conditions of discipleship, express an act of humility. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We heard about this quality, about this uh, pride, about self, uh, self-opinion. Uh, self-opinion we must not have. Uh, this is an organ that is found in the old man. And it sounds like this. Uh, Dimitri, you don't want to think at all? Well, you know, when we come before the face of the Lord, we don't need to think. We need to hear. We need to accept. We need to have our own heart that is prepared. And the Pharisees, he begins to think, he says, okay, if I say it this way, then how can I pose this question? Uh, here Jesus Christ asks, uh, tell me the baptism of John, and they ask a question, he answers them, and he says, I will tell you, but under the condition, if you answer me my question, the baptism of John, is it from heaven or is it from man? 
they begin to think. If we say it this way, he's going to say, well, how come you didn't believe? And if uh, we say, answer this way from men, and we begin to then appear as if we're uh, we're unaware. This is the organ of the old man. It turns out that when we come before the face of the Lord, if we are not humble and as children, and children, as it turns out, they ha- they don't have this organ. Uh, it hasn't yet been formed. They can't be bitter, and they can't uh, think in this way. If, what we don't be these children, but according to our mind, we be, we must be as much as those that are mature, and those that are mature. Uh, what a someone who is mature, and I apologize. This is slightly uncomfortable for me, so I'm trying to fix it. Someone who is mature when he comes to service, and I, I just want to repeat this, uh, just as I, uh, how I deal with this organ for myself. I come to service. I have anointing from God given in order to accept and fulfill the truth. And we know that there is a person among us whom God has given the anointing in order to preach the good word who represents the fatherhood of God for us. He walks in his word at me with 20,000. Why 20,000? Because there is a double blessing. The Word of God anointed with the Holy Spirit is in this manner. And if I have, I have 10,000. It's not bad. And you know, sometimes I overcome. One says, I will overcome 1,000, but I have 10,000. I am just going to say, I don't believe in this way and I behave in the way at which I want. But no, it turns out that Jesus Christ told us this. He says, if you are mature and want to think as the mature do, then weigh. Then a wise person, he says, I ask for peace. And you remember how Christ ended this thought. He said, as each of you who do not reject all that he has, including this organ of self-opinion, if he does not remove it from his life, then he cannot be my disciple. In order for God to clothe a person into the garments of righteousness, he must fulfill conditions of discipleship expressed in active humility. 1 Peter 5.5 First Peter 5.5 God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The opportunity to know the mind of the Lord in order to judge his attentions and at the same time to be clothed into our new man in the subject of garments of righteousness is contained in the opportunity and the capability to know the ways of the Lord and the cooperation of his mercy with his truth. And we have stopped uh, in this, at these two virtues and the dignity of mercy and truth that yield the ways of the Lord. We've ended up uh, highlighting that this is the foundational discipline and subject according to which our call to flow relations or rather the fellowship of God's chosen remnant with God and God with his chosen remnant. People say, I have a right to my own opinion, but what is the result? This building is going to be without a foundation. There won't be this foundational truth at the foundation. There's going to be as if there's an appearance, as if it's a beautiful building, but there's going to be a test that comes. When the fire comes and all of a sudden there are no there's no wheat among the among the among the tares. 
Богом народа с Богом и Бога с избранным Его народом. Hosea chapter 14 verses 6 through 10 I will be like the dew to Israel he shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon his branches shall spread and his beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon those who dwell under his shadow shall return they shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the transgressors stumble in them. According to these words, it turns out that the ways of the Lord and the cooperation of his mercy and truth are the ways of justice upon which God fulfills his judgments and demonstrates his retribution, because of which the righteous are given the right and the power to walk according to these paths in order to fulfill the justice of the Lord, whereas the transgressors, they stumble upon these paths, given that they stumble. Again, this is this organ that is at play here. When we have it and we have not rejected this organ, and when we try to protect this organ and give him a right to our life, then here is, take a look at what happens. We stumble. We stumble upon these paths. We stumble upon the discipline of curse and blessing, which yield the justice of the Lord on the paths of His mercy and truth. And you know, I speak loudly, perhaps you might think I'm speaking loudly, but for me, this thought was was like, a th was like lightning, it was like thunder. It, on our previous service, it was thunder that I uh, unite with this thunder, and I also want to ring out loud, because this is a very important truth and aspect. and a foundational one. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Psalms 95 verses 10 through 11. In fact, the image of the cooperation of mercy that's come from heaven to truth that has come from the earth. Again, we are the earth. Our essence is the earth. This is the image of the cooperation between the faith of God and the dissolving of the faith of God in our heart by the faith of man expressed in obedience to the faith of God. This same truth is also seen here, this cooperation. There must be this cooperation that is present. And you know, this is that very truth that is a one angle, another one's third, fourth, fifth angle. We hold it and look at it as a precious stone. And there is a different kind of light that shines uh like from a precious stone. Being clothed in the image of the new man, in the images of garments of righteousness, we, through the proclamation of the faith of our heart, not just with our uh, mind, but with the faith of our heart, are clothed in the righteousness of the faith of our heart. Defining what the paths of the Lord are for us that are yielded by the cooperation of His mercy with truth, we, according to the book of Job, chapter 28, verse 9, saw uh, seven components. Again, that's Job, chapter 29, verse 9. It's opportunity for God to protect us, to walk in His light among darkness. It's the right to have communication with the Almighty. It's the right to have blessing in children who surround us. It is walking along the paths that are um, covered in milk it is the right to have access to the rock and seventh it is the right to have authority over our people in the face of our calling so this is a right 
God makes us capable, He reveals to us the door, but He is not going to enter into it for us. He will enter into the inheritance of this mercy for us. He makes us capable. He fulfills His role. There is the role of God and there is the role of man. These roles are clearly highlighted and indicated. And He reveals and not just makes us capable, but opens the door in order for us to enter. But He won't enter it for us. We must make these steps. We must cooperate with the preached Word of God in order to be clothed in the garments of righteousness so that then we can enter into His presence so that He does not destroy us because the priest had to be correctly dressed when he goes before the face of the Lord. And if he is going, something's going to lack in him, we know that the result is going to be uh, sorrowful. We have noted that the presence of the mercy of God over our tent is the image of our correct relationship toward the delegated authority of God, which is evidence of the fact that in our life and over our life is present the veil of the mercy of God. The sons of obedience to the faith of God are vessels of mercy that belong and upon which dwells the mercy of the Lord. And therefore, the meaning that is contained in the word mercy is defined by Scripture as the relationship of God toward the vessels of mercy. When studying the purpose of the cooperation of the mercy of God with truth, we came to the conclusion that the cooperation of the mercy of the Lord with truth is called to participate in defining and regulating the norms of correct relations that are that are called to be built first and foremost between God and man, between man and God, between man and man, and between man and all the earth. There are four important uh, spheres. These are the purposes. Talking about the price or the conditions that are necessary to fulfill so that the mercy of God can dwell upon our tents, we looked at seven components first. For the mercy of God to dwell over our tents, it is necessary to not make for ourselves any idols or uh, and not serve them. Second, in order for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to not touch that what is accursed by God. Third, for the mercy of God to dwell upon our tent, it is necessary to make the decision and place for ourselves a goal that upon any circumstances we will turn to the Lord and not to the power of our intellect. Fourth, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tents, it is necessary, like God, to be merciful toward the vessels of mercy and to apply pressure, to apply anger, and to curse the vessels of wrath to partake to this. This is the uh, portion of all saints. Fifth, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent, it is necessary to not boast of the flesh, but to boast of the cross of the Lord Jesus. Sixth, in order for the mercy of God to dwell over our tents, it is necessary to sow in ourselves righteousness and to uh, reap in mercy. Hosea, uh, Hosea 10.12 Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till He comes and rains righteousness on you. And the seventh, for the mercy of God to dwell over our tents, this is the seventh component of the price. In order for the mercy of God to be able to dwell over our tents, it is necessary to serve with, uh, with all that we have and to fulfill the desire of those people whom God has placed to tend to His church. And now, the results. There's going to be a result that coincides. According to which results should we judge that we are truly cooperating with the mercy of God and not with forgery? There is a forgery that exists, and it is... Uh, 
it is made as if it is real. And some people say, oh, these fascists, they um, they have a child comes and he throws his toy. He, he, he uh, takes his toy and it blows up. But you know, this is the expression of that which is in the spiritual realm. So Satan, he makes these toys. And then the children, carnal people, infants, they come up to it and they can hurt themselves. They take something, they swallow something. And you know, they walk along, uh, not this earth, but the expan- vast expanses of the internet. And there's many of these toys. And people will say, oh, let me at least listen to this. What is behind this? How this one speaks, how that one speaks. And it turns out that uh, a person uh, turns out is no longer in this church. His eyes have been uh, blown up. That's why they say fascists are so evil. But in fact, the person was told, don't go there. Don't do this. Don't turn to these things. You don't need it. You have found where you're supposed to feed from. Cling to it. Cling to that place. Cling to that word. Make covenant with your eyes. Uh, Place your eyes there in that direction. Place a covenant just as the saints of God had said. Let my hand forgive me if I forget you, Jerusalem. And with a heart, then we are able to. But God promises for us a result, and we can uh, verify ourselves with these results. The first result that the mercy of God is found over our tent is expressed in the fact that we will find life. We will not find not death, but life. We will be immersed in death so that we can rise from this death. We will find righteousness and glory. The second result that the mercy of God and the dignity of garments of righteousness is found over our tent is expressed in the fact that we are going to be a green olive tree in the house of God. The third result that the mercy of God and the dignity of garments of righteousness is found over our tent is expressed in the ability upon any circumstance to be comforted by the law of God. And the fourth sign that the mercy of God is found over our tent is expressed in that when we are weary upon fulfilling our calling, we are going to be given help from God. And the fifth sign of dwelling, of the dwelling of the mercy of God over our tent should be defined by the following result. When our feet stumble, and they will stumble, God said, I will shake not just the heaven, but earth too. I will shake it in such a way for it to become unshakable or immovable. And that uh, God is going to shake the feet of the both the righteous and the wicked. The shaking of the feet of the righteous is the furnace of God in which he cleanses his gold from foreign uh, from any for foreign inclusions. Psalms 20, 7 through 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. We have endured shaking, or we were tried to be shaken, but through this shaking, at this time, at this time, we stand upright. We are taken through the furnace, and then we stand, and we can look straight, and we can walk straight along this path. Today we are going to talk about the sixth and the seventh sign of the dwelling of the Lord over our tents. 
and then we will continue to study about how much uh, we coincide or have this result in our lives. The result of the mercy of God over our tent will be the evidence of our ability to call on God. Psalms 86.6 Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. According to this prophetic, these prophetic words, the mercy of the Lord is called to yield or is called to serve only the vessels of mercy that are found out by the ability to call on the name of the Lord. So what does it mean, the ability to call on the name of the Lord? This is, on one hand, the ability to have the uh, ability to hear the words of God in our spirit, in our heart. And on the other hand, it is the immediate readiness to unceasingly fulfill the words that we hear. Uh, two important points here. The ability to hear in our heart. So how? How does it occur? When we hear the preached word of God, it all of a sudden begins to resonate in our heart. We hear it. We hear that this is the truth, that this is so. This is the first side. The second side is that we must be ready, a prepared heart, to ready to fulfill this word. To hear the words of God in our spirit, a person can do only after he erects in his spirit a tower from the position of which he can hear the voice of God. Again, this is not an infant anymore. Uh, to an infant, God reveals only whom he must listen to. But here there is a tower. Here a person understands this word and he begins to recognize it. To hear how it sounds. And of course... There is a presence of, of that there in order to not mix it right away. We have a tendency to right away to mix it with our own mind. To mix this word and to, uh, then we come to soul groups and say, take a look at how I heard this. I said, saints, did you hear today's, today's thunder that sounded? And they say, what kind of thunder? I said, well, did you hear the thunder? What was the main point from today? Of course, there are all kinds of thoughts. I said, okay, well, what is this main one, this organ? Oh, and they begin to, okay, yes, yes, we talked about the organ, and then we uh, begin to go over it. But everyone hears a little, perhaps might hear a little bit differently. Someone didn't hear it at all. Uh, that also happens. For me, it's loud, but someone said, well, this is, uh, we've already won over this. One sister said, if cut off uh, self-opinion, cut it off and then go on further. Someone has already gone over this. Someone had long ago had cut out this organ and is not present. But for me, to me, this was like a thunder that sounded. And I, therefore, I'm sharing it with you, with this thunder. From the position of this tower, he can hear the voice of God and distinguish the voice of God from the voices of others so that he can immediately fulfill what he has heard. So let him be slow to anger. Let him be slow to evil. This word, there's this word slow and to be haste. But here we must be slow uh, to, to speak. This more spiritually mature someone is, the less he begins to to speak or to release words. He understands the weight behind every word that he says, and releasing his words, he does it very carefully. 
because each word it uh, captivates us. Someone might say, "Oh, I'm just I'm just joking." Well, but yes, now this word has now taken you and bound you in this joke. It's good when you joke, but when uh, you joke, but at the same time say it seriously, and then for every idle word, a person is going to give an account in the day of judgment before God. You know, we must still live until this judgment, because the judgment can take mind of us or captivate us in such a way that those who believe in the Son of God, uh, we should not speak these these uh, these words and to not stand before judgment but if a person has spoken idle words um, he is going to be judged according to that which he had spoken of while living in the body this uh, slow to to anger uh, this word to immediately fulfill is to do so hastily this is a, a sign of maturity there is this readiness to immediately fulfill the word that we hear. Habakkuk 2.1 I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So the prophet Habakkuk had this kind of tower. He stood upon it and he began to listen. And then he passes along the revelations of God. Uh, the erection of this tower is called to be built and is called to be comprised of the material that is the truth of the commandments of God sealed on the tablets of our heart. This takes time. Or it says, I will write. I will write these laws. The Lord writes, but man must prepare his heart in order to write them in there. And if it is not prepared, well, how can you write these revelations? Uh, God speaks them. And there's no engraving that happens. Well, having ears to hear, a person does not listen or does not hear. Nothing draws a person closer to God and God to man as the trust of a person that is laid upon the truth of the commandments engraved in his heart. He who has my commandments and follows them and keeps them, commandments uh, we must have and therefore keep. Psalm 73, verses 27 through 28. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Despite the fact that God is rich in mercy, a person who does not have in his heart the commandments of God that are engraved by the Spirit of the living God will depart himself from the Lord into perdition, thinking... This is a, he thinks that he is drawing near to God and to salvation that is contained in his mercy. Uh, and therefore, these kind of people cannot be vessels of mercy, and therefore, they cannot be, uh, they cannot have mercy. The role of God, take a look, pay attention here. Role of God and role of man. The role of God is in each individual sphere in our life. It turns out that he, as a legislator, legislature, establishes in each of these spheres his norms and definitions about what is good and what is evil. Our role for the mercy of God to dwell over our tent is comprised of this, to hear God in our spirit and to immediately fulfill what we have heard. And therefore, let us look in greater detail at our role and the ability to call on God in a way to turn upon ourselves His favor that is expressed in His mercy. 
four points. The mercy of God is given and dwells among those who are able to understand and repent in their sins. We must learn. Uh, someone might say, oh, I've, I've done something as if uh, I feel like uh, something's not right. I feel, I feel, I feel. But in order to call things as it is, it's it's fairly difficult. Then it turns out that then I then don't have anything to repent and people say, as if I've come to pastor, as if I've wanted to receive something and then as if, as if I feel, I feel. But there's no spe- uh, specificity. And here there is knowledge. And here there is repentance of sins. Second, the mercy of God is given to those who ask of it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And third, the mercy of God is given on the foundation of the virtues of the Son of God. You see, I want to keep my virtue, my dignity before God, and to not fall. But in uh, turns out, I had difficulties to come out and to repent on the altar. For some time, I had tried to, yes, of course I I sinned, but I had tried to, and uh, do I go out to the altar, do I not? And this this incorrect state uh, withholds a person, he has these gray lines. And then when I, did I repent or did I not? Because I feel like I did, but again, these gray lines but we, according to the mercy of God, are able to remove these gray lines because here we clearly see. Fourth, the mercy of God is given at the time that God establishes or appoints. These four conditions are the ability and the price and acting which we can grow in our in the soil of our heart, the truth. If the children of God were to know how important it is, this is and how to completely fulfill this, then um, perhaps much quicker, I t- speak about myself, to come near and to run near the mercy of God, to not resist it. There's a place of scripture. Uh, the sacrifice doesn't want to go up onto the altar. She doesn't want it to be bound. She doesn't want it to be uh, to be tied up and then laid upon the altar. This uh, where she will be uh, a pleasing aroma, a fragrant sacrifice. When God says, "Go and take the neighbor child who is running around hurting your children, who is loud under the windows of your house, take him and bring him to me." Satan can say this, but God says, take the only one who is the son of the promise, whom you love, who is the most precious to you, who is more valuable to you than your own life, whom you have carried as a young child in your arms. Take your this, this self-opinion and go and bring it. Or take that which you greatly love, that which is valuable, even the Holy Spirit, and depart with it. No, don't depend on it. Don't allow them to become your idols. Because for some and for many children of God, this becomes and turns into an idol. And trust in me, give it to me, offer it to me. Well, how? This is given by Isaac that was given by God. 
In him is such a potential, and there is a promise that is laid in in Isaac, that in Isaac your name shall be called, and he is not yet married, he has not yet passed along the seed, and now all of a sudden he needs to be given up. Abraham had laid down his life, he had stood in the faith, and he had overcome. And now a fruit is asked of him, and all of a sudden God says, this is mine, give it to me. And it's difficult for man, he says, well, how? How? If we were to know how precious it is and important, we would not try to resist. We would, Isaac always said, Father, where do I go? There? There? Sacrifice me? Okay, sacrifice me. All right. As the man of God has spoken, we shall fulfill it. And there, uh, and this will result in in God's favor toward us. These four conditions are the method and price upon enacting which we can grow in the fruit of our heart, the truth towards which God will meet with His mercy. We will take a look at evidence at each of these four conditions from Scripture that give God the opportunity to turn His mercy upon us. First one, the mercy of God is given to those who recognize and who repent in their sins. According to Scripture, the mercy of God given to us for the blotting out of our sins can be legitimate under the condition when we have the desire and the need to be delivered from sin that makes us captives of the sin of law, the law of sin. Psalms 51, verses 3 through 14. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Here is a very important element here. For I acknowledge, I acknowledge, meaning I have finally understood that this is incorrect, that I must uh, depart this from my life. Finally, I have understood, I have acknowledged, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You know, this sin is always going to be before our eyes, if we are going to uh, acknowledge it, and we've acknowledged it, but if we haven't confessed it before the man of God, it is going to remain before our eyes. But when we proclaim, then it is uh, placed into an impassable land, it is uh, disappears from our heart, and we look at this old man, and we say, it is he who sent. I have no partaking to this. And we have this understanding and this kind of faith and this kind of instruction. This is not me. This is someone else. This is the old man. I want to cast him out. You have, through judgment, established this. He needs to go into to hell. I, Lord, thank you for your decree and I give agreement and I ask you of this. Cast out of my body the old man because I have confessed my sin 
and the sin in my body I have been justified from. I've done evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. I, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. I came from an unlawful seed, Lord. Only this new man that is born of God through whom we can have this glory in this life. God will reward us that we have selected this program to, to cooperate with His Word. He will thank us and He will reward us. But if I have selected the program of cooperating with the old man, then I am going to be ashamed and there will be an eternal punishment upon me in my essence. And in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. Here, when a person receives this purging, and I shall be clean, and I shall be clean, old man. Upon him is uh, upon him is my sin. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. And I prophet Isaiah also in Isaiah 55, verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way. There is uh, his way in the way of God. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. So this self-opinion person must leave this. His pride, he must resist it, reject it, to throw it, cast it out, to uproot it, to crucify it. There is a lot of different definitions and verbs that we can use. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There is a condition. Man must leave his own uh, pride, and then he can rely on mercy. But if he does not leave his pride, there won't be mercy to him. This is the result of which that we are talking about, the sixth result of the mercy of God. And the second condition, the mercy of God, is given to those who ask of God according to His conditions. Exodus 20, 24, And an altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. We must know one unchanging rule, without implementing which our prayers for mercy will be unanswered. Specifically this, in what place and in what contents we are called to conduct prayer in order to coincide with the truth that has come from the earth in order to turn upon ourselves the mercy of God. Any sacrifice that is offered by us uh, outside of the established order of God will not find favor in His mercy. You must all... Uh, the spheres must coincide. Where is this place of worship? In the sanctuary? 
in Jerusalem, in the Church of Jesus Christ, in our spirit, all three must must be communicating with one another. They must be placed before God. And this is that certain place that a person finds. We have found this place. We know where the Lord has called us, where He has placed us. This is a place in the Church of God on earth who is led by a person who carries responsibility for this order of God, this high level of responsibility. The third condition, the mercy of God, is given on the foundation of the virtues of the Son of God. Psalms 6, 8. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Considering this factor, we can boldly say that the mercy of God is the first reason for creation, both the visible and the invisible universe with all of its inhabitants. Neither angels nor people are the product of their own um, of their own mind. They don't have uh, virtues. The virtues of the Son of God are important. How clearly they manifested in me, this is how worthy I am before God. So angels and people are not a product of their own imagination or thinking. And all that we are capable of and what they have On the, mercy, on the mercy of God. And therefore, the mercy of God was the main motivator for the creation of both the visible and invisible. We understand that. God wanted to pour out His mercy upon someone. He was filled with grace and mercy. It is written. This word had demonstrated so abundantly that some this mercy needed to be poured out and therefore He created man. And if man does not want the mercy of God, because of which the level of success of each sphere of our life fully depends on the level of the presence in the sphere of the dignity of the Son of God, which we can have only through instruction in faith in the fruit of our spirit that we have grown. The fourth condition, the mercy of God is given at the time appointed by God that is yielded by the morning time. When the ability to keep the revelation of the lips of God comes to zero, then it is a cooperation with the mercy of God that is called to restore or to breathe in us the new energy of life. God is going to lead us to this when we rely only on the mercy of God. We can rely only on the mercy of God. There is none other. I have tried uh, as the king 15 years of his life um, were lengthened where he did certain incorrect things. And in our life, this could also perhaps be lengthened, this kind of state be lengthened. But uh, remember how he turned to God. Uh, Remember, Lord, how I tried, how I... But when all of our energy is at zero and we need just the mercy of God, 
This can happen only through the renewal of the sphere of our thinking with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ or the wisdom of God in our spirit. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 21 through 23. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations. Difficult time. Uh, the morning is the image of resurrection and the image of a new day. That therefore, we should define uh, the new day from the next day. The next day is always a new day, but the new day is not always the next day. Practically, in this place of scripture, we are talking about the renewal of mercy for the new or the innermost man. We are the day of God. If the mercy of God were to renewed, uh, to be renewed for the decaying man, then our body would become immortal. Uh, and in the mercy of God, there is the renewal of our bodies. But this kind of renewal is contained in the authority of the Heavenly Father and will occur at the time appointed by God. Due to this concept, the mercy of God will be renewed for us every morning. Then, when every morning of the new day is going to be for our new man, the resurrection of Christ, which is going to be the result of death, in which we have endured trials with Christ, having been immersed in the death of Christ. Therefore, the morning, as the renewal of the life of the new man, is that revelation and that concept that points to those principles according to which the mercy of God is renewed for the new man. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16-18 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light of affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. According to scripture, if in the spiritual dimension, we are not going to... Uh, endure renewal through the mercy of God every morning which is found in that spiritual dimension, then we are not going to have any opportunity to keep in our heart the revelation of the lips of God that are written on the tablets of our heart. And therefore, being renewed with the mercy of God, we can endure every morning upon the following condition, if the revelation of God will be engraved on the tablets of our heart. Otherwise, how do we expect to keep the revelation of God that are not in our heart but only in Scripture? We need to know that according to the lack of the revelation on the tablets of a human heart, the renewal of the mercy of God yielded by the morning will never come to us. Although these kind of people think that if God has promised on the pages of Holy Scripture, then they will automatically receive it. However, this is not so. Psalms 119, 124, deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. Well, the mercy of God, when a person knows the statutes of God, and it is not just a kind of mercy that I don't know anything, yet have mercy. No, this is not mercy. For God to create within us renewal according to his unchanging mercy, it is necessary to live the life of God that is contained in his statutes, which are necessary to be taught through instruction and faith. We are called to, once and for all, understand that a person, by the power of his mind, will never be able to understand and able to penetrate the essence of the statutes of God. Here again, we uh, come across this pride that is evident, and it yells out at us so evidently, so evidently that it's difficult to even reconcile with it. 
Just as God never is able to teach a person his statutes if a person is not humbled before him and will not accept his order, in which God teaches a person his words through the person he has established. In order to be learned the statutes of God, a person needs to not just accept the chosen uh, authority of God, but to use all of his energy and capabilities in order to uh, mutually cooperate with the words of the revelation which God will pass along to us through this person. We must accept a person and then use all of our capabilities. You know, you have accepted, but with all strengths, with all energy, people say, I'm not, I'm not so fanatical that I will fulfill it. People say, you're, you're so foolish that uh, you're called a fanatic. We'll say, oh, is this in every service on Friday and then on Sunday and on all services? Well, when you go for some reason, then online you can cling on to it. Okay, having clinged on to the Lord, those live because in them dwells the resurrection of Christ. And here, take a look what it says. Here is a revealed opportunity. We can use all of our strengths and capabilities to understanding the statutes of God, having ignored the order of God. But this kind of achievement, Scripture qualifies as as a witchcraft. Having been in a state of this kind of rebellion, a person desiring to please God becomes an enemy of God, and this is very tragic. If he does not fix fix his ways, if he doesn't have have an angel among a thousand. Having been found in such a position, in such a state, a person begins to accept God and his truth as devil and his lies. There's another side at work here, seduction. And devil and his lies in understanding the statutes of God, he begins to under- accept as God and his truth. This is what happened with Cain and his descendants, as well as the sons of God who took wives for themselves of the daughters of Cain. The humility of a person before God that turns upon itself the mercy of God means that a person upon understanding the statutes of God accepts the conditions of God that are found in Scripture and therefore here we again see the role of God and the role of man. The role of God expressed in His mercy is called to help us in achieving His statutes that are going to penetrate to us through heaven, but on these conditions first. He represented to us the essence of His statutes written in His Word. He sent us His Son in the likeness of a sinful flesh. You know, God is going to represent. Not everyone will hear the essence. What is contained in these statutes? You know, statutes we might hear, but a person, he who has an ear, he listens, but he doesn't hear. But you have to understand the essence to look at the root of it. He sent us his son as as the son of man. He sent us the Holy Spirit in order to make us capable of understanding his statutes. Each person 
has this opportunity and this capability, it just depends on him. And fourth, he placed the fivefold ministry through which he explains the essence of these statutes. Now, let's look at the role of man. In order for God to penetrate to him through his mercy, There are four responsible moments here that we are going to read that are expressed in his role and his actions. First, a person must uh, learn, study the written word of God and place it as a priority in relation to all spiritual manifestations. People say, oh, I've had a dream. Well, to that which you have dreamt, this isn't a priority. You need to, people say, I feel like this is from God. And you know, I had previously before felt this way too, but then I found out that this was not from God. It was perhaps very painful, very painful, very painful state when I felt, but then it turns out that this was not from God. This is a very painful situation and state. Therefore, if we feel that it's reasonable to come to pastor and say, I've had this dream, pastor, and I feel like it's from God, well, please tell me. And you know, the wise son, here we see the wise and the foolish son. A wise son, he will place himself in a neutral state and he is going to be ready to listen to his king. But a foolish one will say, well, what if pastor says this is not from God? And, and you know, this is a foolish son. A person, second, the role of man, again, a person must accept the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit on the conditions that are outlined in Scripture. Third, a person must accept over himself the authority of God in the face of the fivefold ministry. And fourth, a person must understand the uh, prayer that will give God the opportunity to lead him to the realization of his calling. There are four points, this is of the role of man. The role of God is clear and, and understanding, understandable, but uh, to a measure, just as a measure of our understanding. We must study both roles. We must understand and be able to separate them from one another so that we don't end up uh, trying to find ourselves in God's role. To study this sign, the sixth sign, we can firmly know that if we have the opportunity to call upon God, just as we had heard and talked about, then the mercy of God is found over our tent. And the seventh result that I thought that we would have time to conclude, and we still have some time remaining, perhaps we will uh, be able to go over it fully or in part, and it also is very important. The seventh result that the mercy of God dwells over our tent will be expressed and that we are going to have the opportunity to be ministers of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-18, through 18, and chapter 4, verses 1-2, through 2, who also made us efficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written engraved on stones was glorious, so the children of Israel could look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness. Again, these hidden things of shame. There are things that we should not spread. 
They're not shameful, but they're hidden. But Scripture says, renounce the hidden things. A man of God, he must walk in the light. He doesn't have any hidden things. He must He must reject these hidden things. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And if I say a truth directly, a person won't understand, our relationship will be ruined. Okay, we'll let them be ruined. That means that there are not those relationships that we should have in the first place with them. Goodbye. The opportunity to be ministers of the New Covenant uh, became uh, became capable thanks to the fact that a person with an unveiled face looked in the mirror and began to look upon the glory of the Lord. A question arises, who or what is the glory of the Lord? And what characteristics and properties of Scripture endow the glory of God? What should we view as the mirror, and what should we view as an unveiled face, as well as what conditions are necessary to fulfill in order to have an unveiled face? I came to this point, I'm reading it, and I thought, well, Daniel had said it so so richly, uh, why do I need to go over it again? But... It just happens uh, that I'm, I've come to a point where it's mentioned again, but I have it, and therefore, I should should I take it? Should I remove it? No. That, this means that this is important, and therefore, I can make a conclusion, and we are we are going to go over it again. Again, according to which sign should we test ourselves that we are truly ministers of the new covenant? Or according to which criteria should we separate the ministers of the new covenant from ministers of the old covenant? Many questions. And there's answers here that we have here as well. And we will try to quickly read them and answer them. According to our relationship and our reaction to the hidden works and our relationship toward uh toward the Word of God. There are two important moments here where we can define how and according to what criteria, according to our relationship and our reaction to hidden works and our relationship toward the Word of God. Without having answers to these questions, this place of Scripture, as many others, will remain for us either a beautiful slogan that we proclaim without any foundation uh, where we call ourselves ministers of the new covenant not in realizing that we are not so but we are called to be ministers of the new covenant we are called to be clothed in these garments clean and bright because ministers of the new covenant are clothed God clothes them and the wife of the bride of the Lamb has prepared herself and to her was given the opportunity to be clothed in linen clean and bright and she is prepared or Having distorted the requirements of the Word and minister the New Covenant, we think that we are uh, cooperating and we have a right that we uh, to declare ourselves minister of the New Covenant. Um, this is, I, I was thinking about this, well, who is this? Is this toward those who are in the neighboring church in Africa or so forth, or those whom Apostle Paul talked about? Uh, this is regarding us. We can call ourselves ministers of the New Covenant and perhaps not be so. 
First question, who or what is the glory of the Lord and what characteristics and dignities does Scripture endow the glory of God? The glory of the Lord is the dignity of God that yields the level of His weight that is impossible to weigh on any scales or measure with any kind of dimension. But this is a weight, but it's impossible for man to measure it. Therefore, in Hebrew, the glory of the Lord is the union of multifunctional properties and dignities of God, as well as His works. And it is the word glory is written as Shekinah, which means weight, coastland, remember coastland, coastland covered by waters, riches, greatness, beauty, fear, wisdom, honor, and praise. In Scripture, the glory of the Lord contained in His mercy comes from the countenance of God and the works of God that are yielded in His creation and in His judgment over this creation. We will take a look at seven definitions of the glory of the Lord, although many more exist. The first definition of the glory of God is the mercy of God shown toward the vessels of mercy and judgment over the vessels of anger so there's mercy in when God condemns and judges the vessels vessels of anger. This is the mercy of God in this. Exodus chapter 14, verses 31, and chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Then Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea within ourselves. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God. So this is, uh, that's really the scripture that a lot of people, they try to understand this with their emotions, but He took this whole army of Pharaoh, these precious riches, rejected them, mind a man. People might think this is the main thing that is given to man. Well, mind is not bad, but in order, but it is not needed for to acknowledge God. It is unsuitable, and it stands in the way. It stands as it stands as a stronghold for the old man. Therefore, it is good, but not in knowing the word of God in the word of God. This is the worst compliment that you can receive and says, what a great brother who knows the word bell, who knows the word well. Toward a saint. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you and sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. You know, when this happens within us, it's the glory of the Lord then that is released. And this event that is called to occur in the life of each of the chosen remnant of God, this is referring to us, when he rejects hidden works and does not uh, use craftiness to distort the word of God, but when he reveals the truth and represents it, God is going to demonstrate his mercy in this. 
when people say, uh, don't talk about this group of saints because this won't be good. Well, why, why do this? You must walk in the light, not hide of anything. So when we behave in this way, then there's no glory or no weight that we can refer to here. God is going to reveal His mercy and that He is going to cast out our old man with His works in the abyss of great waters. When a person thinks, well, what is He going to say of me? Either they're hidden works or they're shameful works. And I... Uh, uproot this out for myself. I don't want to hide from anyone. I want to be the same with everyone and open. If I go to pastor, I'm going to behave in this way. Okay, well, how am I going to behave in guests or where pastor is going to be? You, well, I must behave myself in such a way to 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 not show myself from an from a negative angle. But when I think in this way, then I carry. Uh, great negativity because this is hiding my hidden works that are not yet approved, uh, uh, uprooted from my life. And again, I'm talking about myself, not about you, saints. When we reject these hidden works and shameful works, God is going to cast out our old man with his works. We should note However, we may reject or condemn our hidden works if the mercy of the Lord and the showing of His glory does not uproot the pride of the human intellect with all of its carnal capabilities. The best army of Pharaoh on the subject of the capabilities of the old man will never be able to be shaken and destroyed. But it must be shaken so that we can become unshakable and immovable. Second, the definition of the glory of God is the mercy of God that is yielded by the image of a devouring fire. Exodus 24, verses 16 through 18. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went, went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. The glory of God as an expression of the mercy of God demonstrated in the devouring fire testifies of desire for God to give his chosen remnant a law fulfilling which a person can live according to God, for God, and with God. The desire is the expression of any living essence. Without quenching the desire, not one creation of God created by Him out of water and earth can live. The reason for desire is in the source of the visible and invisible. The waters that he, with which he created the earth is his potential that is expressed to us in his good, acceptable, and perfect will. Each time when God released his word contained in his depths, he had released his glory in which was contained his thirst. 
And each time when his word was fulfilled, it fulfilled his desire and thirst, and then his glory hidden in his desire was comforted and returned to its initial state in the inhabitable light in which could be which could be penetrated only by someone who found favor in the eyes of God. He fulfilled the desire and the uh, the longing and thirst of God, fulfilled the perfect will of God. The third definition of the glory of God is the mercy of God yielded by the image of the ark of the Lord. First Samuel chapter four verses nineteen through twenty-two. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered, and when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God has been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. The ark of the Lord that contains the tablets of testimony that yield the holiness of God, as well as the vessel with manna and the staff of Aaron, yielding the mercy of God in the death and resurrection of the Son of God, is the good heart of man, in which these truths are engraved by the Spirit of the living God. This is the ark of God in us. The her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing, they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. The fourth definition of the glory of God is the mercy of God that yields, uh, yielded by the cloud that is the shadow throughout uh, Israel's path out of Egypt into the promised land. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle meeting because a cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. In scripture, all that is a, sh- a sh- shadow is an image of those whom God has anointed to be those that tend to the chosen remnant of God. It turns out that this revelation that we hear about, it has a ring for a long time now. And again, in the cloud, the cloud points to the saints of the holy people of God. And our relationship, and therefore, our relationship towards saints that are part of the fivefold ministry defines our relationship toward the glory of God. So the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. If we've paid attention, then the glory of the Lord was all also before, among the people in the wilderness over Sinai in the tabernacle of Moses and filled it. But Moses and Aaron in the wilderness as well as on Sinai and in the tabernacle of testimony could stand in service. The reason why the priests of the Old Testament could not stand in service was because of this, that God demonstrated a kind of glory in which the function to stand in ministry belonged to the Uh, glory of God, because to stand means to keep, to protect, to care for, or to be watchful of, 
to observe or to keep from idols or to carry responsibility for worship. The glory of the Lord upon which the glory of the Lord before which the priests of the Old Testament could not stand in service carry the functions of the service of justification whereas and our time has come to a conclusion and we proclaim this proclamation each time manifestation he was able to keep us from stumbling you know the priests of the Old Testament they fell and they could not stand before the glory but take a look at these great words that we are speaking we are talking about how he is able to keep us from this stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory so that we can stand so that we can stand uh, for us to stand we must be clothed in the dignity of the new man for this we hear this for this, we study this revelation that the Lord has given to our pastor as we hear for us. Therefore, we shall not be unreasonable. We should be reasonable and we should study that which the Lord gives us. We shall cling to these words to penetrate them, to tremble before them. And in prayer, to demonstrate our desire before God, this word can clothe us in the dignity of the new man. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this trembling place in which you, according to your mercy, have defined each of your saints upon which we can stand before the glory of the Lord as ministers of the new covenant. We thank you for this precious and mighty word that teaches us, that clothes us, that instructs us, that separates in us the old from the new, that highlights this line and frees us from the old man whom you will destroy in the near future. We have heard about this precious promise. We have accepted it and we rejoice and we with trembling wait for when you are going to fulfill this we have agreed with the judgments of your lips. We have said Amen to the word that you have proclaimed, that the day is coming, the day is near. And we agree to affirm this judgment and to ratify it, each one of us for our own bodies. And we thank you for this mercy that the prophets and the kings waited for 
which they desired, saints desired to enter, saints of former generations. You have placed us at this time and have told us to look into this word, to dwell in this revelation, to affirm this mercy of the Lord and the boundaries appointed by you. We thank you that you are our stronghold, you are our tower, that you, Lord, are our comfort. You have been made our rock. You have been made for us sanctification and a blessing and pour out upon us the mercy and glory in the words of your lips which you express upon this place. When we gather before your countenance with hearts that are softened, that are prepared. We thank you that you want to care for us how and to what manner we can prepare our hearts in order to hear your revelations. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who strengthens us in our weaknesses who sends us this mercy. We thank you for the fivefold ministry. We thank you for our pastor, for this precious word in the lips of a person whom you have appointed in this time. We thank you that we are the people who knows and who hears the sound of this trumpet. Help us to coincide with this sound of the trumpet, the words of your lips, and to fulfill that word, that burden which you lay upon us, knowing that your yoke is good. We ask you to make us capable to be prepared to the following services where you will nourish our land with your abundant rains and the words of the of your law your decrees your statutes we rejoice in the soon fulfillment of your promises on which your saints had looked upon the fulfillment of your precious words that weary hearts waited for among many generations. We wait for this and we thank you that we hear and we know that we are near we are near to seeing these promises fulfilled. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We bow down before your countenance, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into your temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.